Welcome to Imperfection in Progress, a podcast for ambitious women who are people pleasers, perfectionists, or procrastinators. Want to feel less stress and more joy in your life? Then this is for you. I'm your host, Don Calvinisti. If you're listening to this episode when it is released in January, you know the typical exercise and diet resolutions that happen in the new year. Most people don't make it to the end of the month before giving up and going back to old habits. What if there was a completely different way to look at food and weight? One where you could actually change the dialogue that goes on in your head around these topics. Today, I am speaking with Jordana Sade. Jordana is a psychological nutritionist and hypnotherapist with an educational background in behavioral neuroscience. She runs a vibrant practice that focuses on the connection between mental health and nutrition and our relationship to food. Jordana works one-on-one with clients and in small groups to help facilitate permanent changes around eating behaviors and reprogram the nervous system to end self-sabotage. Jordana is the co-author of Reversible Journal, a book written with Dr. Mohammed Ibrahim on reversing obesity and its related disorders, and the sole author of The Mindful Journal, a journal for behavioral change. Jordana firmly believes in the brain-body connection and helps clients to recover their mental and physical health through the use of holistic nutrition, functional medicine, hypnotherapy, and behavioral psychology. Here's my conversation with Jordana. So welcome, Jordana, to the podcast. I am super excited to have you, I'm going to say back, although not to the podcast, but we met when I was doing a summit and had you on, and I so enjoyed just your energy, your enthusiasm, your message, the journey you've been on. I love your podcast, all of that. So welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Tell us a little bit of who makes, what makes you who, and a little bit about your journey too, to get to this space. Yeah. So without taking up the entire time here talking about my, my journey, basically I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm a psychology nutritionist and my work really focuses on understanding the motivation to eat. So I'm an eating behavior expert and it really started with my own story. So I was obese growing up. I was bullied and made fun of, you know, it was, it was really hard on me. And when I went on my first diet, I was basically just forced. Everybody was like, oh, now we can see your beautiful face. And really just taught me at a young age that being thin meant I was lovable and being overweight meant I wasn't. And this really spiraled into decades of disordered eating and eventually substance abuse. And so I was 22. I had just gotten pregnant. I was an alcoholic. I was kicked out of university. And I really just vowed to get down to the bottom of my eating disorder at that point. And so when I had my son... I went to school to become a holistic nutritionist. I graduated as valedictorian with first class honors. And I learned a lot about the body and about rebalancing and weight loss and all that fun stuff. But as I was working in obesity clinic, I really just saw myself and my patients. Like nobody wakes up and says, I want to be fat. It's just, it's just not a choice. And so as I was giving out all these meal plans and people were not able to follow it, I became obsessed with understanding the motivation behind human behavior. So that's what motivated me to go back to school to pursue a master's and PhD in behavioral neuropsychology. And that's where I'm at now. So that's my story. I love this story. I think I work so, so much with the health end of things, both the psychological health, the mental health, the emotional health, health with all of my clients. And the one thing that I can say is if we don't deal with the psychology behind it, it's really hard to make any progress. We just keep going back. 
It's so true. And I think that people are always surprised, right? I just got off a call with somebody, but she was like, I don't understand why I can't make these changes. I'm like, well, the body follows the mind, obviously, because without the mind, there is no body. (laughs) So of course we have to mesh the two. And yeah, so I love being able to practice in this way. It's been amazing. And yeah, thank you. I think it must be interesting coming from your own journey and then seeing others in this space and helping them to really realize that connection. Because I think for a lot of people, especially when it comes to eating, there's that whole, I don't understand why this is happening. Like, why can't I just willpower it? Why can't I, like, I know what to do. I know all the things to do. I've done all the things. Why isn't it happening? So do you see that over and over? Oh my gosh, over and over. And if you're not at that point where you haven't tried everything a hundred times and it's not working anymore, then it's not the right time to work with me. And it's truly because like really digging deep is often people's last resort. And so I think actually just as a collective, and this might be, I don't know how spiritual your podcast is, but this might be a little out there, but I think just as a collective, um, people are starting to really wake up and realize that the old paradigm of hustle culture and restrictive diets and punishment programs is just not effective anymore. Most of the time when I'm meeting somebody, they have already tried everything a hundred times over. And now it's like, there's something deeper going on and they're seeking that deeper level of healing. And, you know, my background's in addiction medicine, obviously with my substance abuse as a teen and a young adult. And so it's the same, it's the same type of thing. It doesn't matter what the substance is, if it's food or shopping or sex or gambling or crystal meth, it doesn't matter if we engage in a behavior despite knowing the negative consequences, but we do it anyways, then there's a program there, right? There's, there's this uncontrollable desire and motivation to obtain something regardless of you not wanting to do so. And that's really where I shine and that being able to facilitate behavioral changes when it comes to those very like treatment resistant disorders. I'm just thinking of of your clients. It must be this feeling of incredible relief to realize there's not something broken in them. Like they haven't just missed the one little thing that they didn't do quite right in their diet, or they didn't, they missed the one little thing that they didn't know it was that food they weren't eating. There actually is this bigger piece that pulled it all together. Totally. And I, I think that the narrative of there's something wrong with me, what's wrong with me is actually the thing that's keeping these behaviors a- a- aligned, right? Because there would be no desire to escape or to self-medicate or cope if the underlying belief is I'm capable, I'm confident, I can do it. Right. So that tendency of like, there's something wrong with me, I've done something wrong is actually what perpetuates this like self-sabotage. And I see with everybody, I think that it's so easy for us to be like, what's wrong with me? Instead of being like, what's wrong with the system? You know, (laughs) there's something wrong outside of me, nothing wrong with me. And so part of my job, everybody comes to see me for weight loss. They want sustainable weight loss. They want it so that when they stop the diet, they don't regain the weight back, which is like also another area that I shine. But at the end of the day, it's actually not about weight loss at all. It's about finding the truest, healthiest version of you and making it easy to follow through and, and to rely on her. That's just such a beautiful experience. And and such beauty there would be in that as they are transforming, because it's not just transforming the body, right? It's transforming a mind, which I'm assuming you're seeing that change multiple areas then of their life, not just the eating. Of course, everywhere. It's everywhere. It's actually not about food at all. And I think that 
in times where I've, I mean, obviously my work is so motivated by my own history, but in times in my life where I felt totally out of control around food or any other substance, like that's actually just the coping mechanism. What's really going on is the deeper stuff of I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't like myself. I have no trust in myself. And so once we start to raise that self-worth, then it becomes very easy to treat yourself well. And when we can treat ourselves well, when we can make and keep these small daily promises to ourselves, then we build a reputation with ourselves. And if we have a good reputation with ourselves, then we build our self-efficacy. And if we have built our self-efficacy, then like we can put you in any situation, you're going to thrive because you believe in yourself. And so it's like this entire process, right? And it's just, it's like one of the most beautiful things to witness in my clients. It's he very healing for me too. Every time they're going through it, I go through it as well. So it's like a selfish, uh, just selfish practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty great selfish practice. Do you find that as you are, like you were saying, you know, that relation to the client and what they're going through, do you find that part of this journey for you too is being able to see others have that freedom, that release, that that change from that old paradigm and what they believed? Absolutely. I truly believe that I attract just the perfect people for me. And as for a really long time, I would follow a specific protocol that I found really worked. It was my signature program. It's like my baby. I love it. I do it with everybody that I, that is in my practice. And it, it's getting, it was getting to the point where I was like, I'm starting to outgrow this a little bit. And I'm starting to actually need more space to be able to like practice in a different way. I just didn't really know exactly what that was, but it was really instigated through the fact that there's actually lessons that I needed to learn, like new things that I was craving learning. And so as I'm growing, I'm attracting clients that are going to facilitate that change in me. And it's just like a really symbiotic relationship. And them going through the journey also keeps me sober, if you will, because I'm continually reiterating the same things over and over again that underlie the processes of, no, this is how we rewire the brain so your behaviors match your goals and your dreams and not using food as a mechanism to cope. If hunger is not the problem, eating is not the solution. And the more that we say these things over and over again, the less likely we're going to be engaging in those behaviors. And you're surrounded by that all the time because you're speaking out to others. So it just cements it for you as well. That is so neat. Yeah. I was going to ask you when it comes to yeah. being a people pleaser, a perfectionist or a procrastinator, where do you tend to go to? I'm excited to announce our second annual As Good As It Gets Summit. This free five-day online summit will help you break free from people-pleasing and the day-to-day -day grind to discover more meaning, connection, and fulfillment in life. At times in my life, I felt like I'm just going through the motions. All my goals and dreams are on the back burner and one day blurs into the next. This is why I created the As Good As It Gets Summit, to stop and take a few days to really reflect on what I want and what I need to get there. During this free summit with over 15 women experts, we'll be discussing simple ways to remove overwhelm identifying who you are at your core and where your passions lie, mindset tools to overcome limiting beliefs, clarity on what your purpose is and the steps to achieve it. Your free registration also gives you access to more than 15 assessments, eBooks, checklists, worksheets, planners, journal prompts, meditations, guides, video trainings, and coaching sessions worth over $2,000. These alone are worth registering for. Worried you won't be able to take it all in in just five days? No problem. We offer a VIP all-access pass for just $27, giving you lifetime access to all videos and audios of the event. Go to pursueprogress.com forward slash as good as it gets summit, or click the link in the show notes. Don't forget to share it with a friend too. Now back to our episode. 
Oh my gosh, I know. Like I knew this question was coming and I've been trying to think about where I would fall in most because like I, I truly, truly am all three. I would say that perfectionism and people pleasing are probably, I probably highlight more. I talk a lot about procrastination because I've diagnosed ADHD since a child. That is a huge tendency for the ADHD mind is to procrastinate because it's like safer and more familiar to live in a state of chaos than it is to like just do things ahead of time. It's like (laughs) that urgency creates like a lot of productivity for me. So anyways, I literally say that as I have an assignment due in a few hours and I'm not nearly done, (laughs) but it's going to be the best assignment ever. But anyway, sorry to go back to your original question. People pleasing and perfectionism is something that both they both run very deep. And I actually believe that they're both very intertwined. Uh, So for me, people pleasing really starts with my mother. She literally would do everything for everybody else. And at the end, like at the bottom of people pleasing is really just manipulation. It's an ugly way of describing it. But what we're really doing when we're people pleasing is we're manipulating the way other people see us. And why do we do that? Well, because we want to be accepted and we want to be liked. And so the desire to be accepted and liked by other people actually overrides the desire to be authentic to yourself. And this is a very dangerous game we play here. And this is directly related to our eating behavior, because as you continually reject your own needs, not important, not important, more important for me to be, do and say everything for everyone else, all the automatic processes in our body that is our very intuitive processes, like the desire to eat, like the I'm full signal, we become disconnected from those as well. And because we continually lose ourselves as we reject ourselves, reject ourselves, eventually we don't really know who we are anymore. And then now we're eating as a mechanism to feel something, to cope with us having truly lost ourselves. And so people pleasing is definitely something I see in my practice. I'm admittedly a recovering people pleaser and every day I'm working on it. And then the perfectionism is just another kind of beast, but also I believe intertwined because with perfectionism, there's this desire that it's never enough. It's never good enough. No matter what you do, there's, you have to be more, do more, say more. And at the end of the day, again, what we're doing is we're just rejecting the person that we really are. And with that self-rejection leads to nervous system dysregulation, leads to a life of just being very lost and disassociative. I think that's such a good analogy, just the whole idea, especially going back to people pleasing. And I say that we wear a mask when we're people pleasers and you're saying you're not being authentic to yourself. And I think that's something that people pleasers don't even recognize. Like they're often very genuinely generous, kind, lovable and loving people. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, they often don't recognize that because they don't, they aren't true to themselves. Maybe we'll say it like that. They aren't true to who they are, that they really are making a manipulative effect in order to get what they are desiring from the other person. And I think that's a hard one for most people pleasers to wrap their mind around. And, you know, if I were to tell my mom, your behaviors are manipulative, she would just be so shocked. And I think that even if we were to look at her friends, like her friends are like, oh, my mom's name is Rose. She's lovely, by the way. She's like the most generous person ever. But uh, they're like, oh, Rose always pulls through. Rose always goes over and above. But it's like kind of at what cost, right? Mm -hmm. So because As a child, I witnessed my mom basically giving up herself to satisfy everybody else, including us as kids. Like she, she had no real purpose other than 
mothering us, then it just comes naturally for me to do the same. And so I, I really actively have to work on this. And I actually have my own healer who helps me do this. <laughs> she literally has to tell me all the time because I'm like, well, what if this person thinks this? And she's like, it's none of your business what anybody thinks about you. Like, it's just literally none of your business. And so that's the energy I want to bring to 2023. I'm like, <laughs> just going to be myself. I have a, a question for you. If yeah. I was one of your, your clients and I was yeah. very much a people pleaser, one of the things that I hear is when I go to somebody's house and they offer me food, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want them to think I don't like them. I don't want to, I don't want yeah. them to think that I don't care about all this they, work they went to. And that seems yeah. to be an area that people pleasers also on the opposite end struggle with because they care about what the other person's thinking and they'll eat the food, even though they don't want the food. What do we do in these circumstances? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is such a good example. I'm going to actually answer this with a question and then I'll go into my spiel. But let's say you went to, I don't know, like Nuna's house or like an auntie's house, somebody's house, and they made all these food, this food for you. And you really weren't hungry. And you're also like trying to honor your own hunger cues at this point. And they're like, oh, please. I call these people food pushers. Really well-intentioned, but still pushy. Oh, please. I made this X, Y, and Z. How long do you think it would be after you left that they would continually think about why didn't she eat my food? Like, how long do you think that would really last? Probably not that long. Like, really? Right? Like, a couple hours. It's so insignificant in their mind. Like, the next time you see them, they've completely forgotten. And so I think that it's really about what's the threat versus fear. What's, what is the cost of you ignoring and rejecting your own needs? And is it worth it? And you get to determine that. In some cases, it might be worth it. I'll give you a really silly example. But my friend gave me tickets for a show, I really wanted to see the show, but I also really needed to sleep. I'm going to sacrifice my needs of sleep, because I'm going to see the show that I got tickets for. Yes, I am rejecting myself. But like, it, it was worth it. Like the cost was worth it. But in a situation where it's like we have food pushers where it's literally they're going to think about it for two minutes, maybe, and then they're going to completely forget because their life, they're more, they're more impacted and thinking about their own ego. Like it's just not worth it in my opinion. I love that. But I think the whole idea of what is the actual reality, right? Going back and looking at what's the actual reality. And we all think more about ourselves yeah. than we think about other people all the time. So they're not yeah. going to continuously yeah. be thinking about what we did. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Literally like nobody gives a shit about you. Like actually just like point blank, nobody cares. Nobody's going to care as much as you care about yourself. And so I think that like people pleasing is also very rooted in this, what we like to call in, well, I like to call my practices the humiliation wound, right? It's like people who have a humiliation wound also very directly correlated to people who tend to hold on to weight. For them, being humiliated is like worse than death. And so the humiliation wound has this tendency of humiliating themselves before anybody else can do that. And so there's this constant narrative of, uh-oh, what's everybody thinking? Don't do this, don't do that. But really what you're doing is you're humiliating yourself. And so then you're rejecting yourself and telling yourself you're not good enough. And it just continues on. <laughs> So what are some of the things that we can do, even if there's one or two things we could think of over this next week to help reestablish our own value so that we're not constantly either looking outward for that or just telling ourselves that we're not good enough as we're going through that week? Yeah. 
Well, I think that first of all, we need to really be able to tap into what feels authentic and what does not. And I think that some people have been doing this for have been people pleasing for so long that they don't even really know what it feels like to be themselves. And I've been there like not even that long ago. Now, when I do something that's very inauthentic, like my whole body has a reaction. And so if you're not at that point yet, I think that being able to be self-reflective in a way where we are not judging, we're more observing. So it's like fly on the wall, observing what's happening without any judgment. That will give you the idea, oh, I behaved in a way that was consistent with what feels good for me, or next time, maybe I can say this. So before we can even start to make changes and like being able to stop people pleasing, we need to be able to see ourselves through a lens. And if we add judgment to that lens, like I'm not sure if you can resonate with this, but I'm sure a lot of people can. But I don't know if you've ever left a conversation and then you keep replaying the conversation over and over again in your head. Um, Well, that's really just like you've made a decision in that conversation that wasn't aligned. And so now your brain is like, why did we do this? What's going on? Oh, no, should I have behaved this way? Should I not? Right. And so when we have those times where we're able to look back, If we can do it without judgment and we can be more observational, then we can actually start to understand, okay, this feels good and this doesn't. So that would be like step one. And then step two is I think we need to get really clear on developing like a practice that's just for ourselves. So whether that's like journaling or mirror work or somatic therapy, like like movement in a way that's not, I'm going to a yoga class, I'm going to an exercise class. It's like fluid and you can improvise with it. It will get you more in touch with like, your soul and who you are. And then it'll be easier for you to make decisions that are in line with your goals. (laughs) I think it's great, especially when we talk about alignment. And I think for a lot of people who are people pleasers or perfectionists, that's an area where it can be really hard to even know who you are, what you want, what is authentic to you because of the lack of self-reflection. And so that's a really good tip to actually look into that more deeply. I will say one last thing on this. One thing that I make my clients do that it's just a very quick exercise and I find it really effective is we might not know where the negative feelings are coming from, but when we feel negative feelings, I like to literally just say out loud because the external voice is more powerful than the internal voice. I like to literally just say out loud, okay, I know what I don't want. Now, what do I want? And even just saying that, like with the negative feeling that arises, I know what I don't want. Now, what do I want? It, It immediately like flips the switch. So you're able to like not only ponder and think about, okay, what's more in line with my goals, but you're now in a completely different mindset. Like you're now experiencing better emotions, right? And so it's just a really easy kind of flip the switch narrative that you can do on a daily basis. So I know our listeners are probably like, okay, this is fascinating because I could literally talk to you probably all day long and just keep (laughs) digging through all these topics. However, the good news is that you are giving away a 25 minute consultation for free. So any of our listeners that are looking for that, I will put it in the show notes and you can get into this more in your personal issues that you're dealing with, because I know all of us have our own things and none of us are perfect. That's why the podcast is called Imperfection in Progress. It's about accepting that and just moving forward. And I think for you, I know it's the same thing, Jordana. It's about taking that action and not just staying stuck where we are. And I so appreciate that you do that for all of your clients, but also that you are so generous with your time and your wisdom with other people too. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's absolutely, I love talking to you, Don. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you found value in what you heard, please share it with a friend and rate and review us on whatever platform you listen on. It really helps get us out to other women who could benefit from listening. Check out our show notes for details from the show and to connect with me or our guests. Want to continue the conversation? 
my website is pursueprogress.com or DM me at Pursue Progress with Dawn on Instagram. Until next week, pursue progress no matter how imperfectly you